we're in the middle of a series on the kingdom life and just looking at just what does it mean to be a kingdom citizen? What does it mean to be a citizen of God's kingdom? And that's what we're after. So, so far, we've actually looked at a couple of things. We've looked at the blessings and the curses, the, th- the things that upside down to us in our world, but that God says these things are blessings because they help draw you to me. Um, we've looked at the kingdom ethic of love, love that extends to all, especially to those who don't deserve it. As we looked at loving our enemies last week, this week we're going to look at another primary ethic of God's kingdom. So listen as I read the words of Christ from Luke chapter 6. Luke 6, I'm going to read verses 37 through 42. This is God's Word. And if you let it, it will change your life. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your life. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. Father, bless the reading and preaching of your word. May it drive deep into our hearts and change the way we live. In Christ's name, amen. One of the primary ethics of the kingdom of God is justice. Now, we live in a world where justice is a puppet of forces that seek to gain power. We see justice perverted as guilt is misnamed as innocence. Lust is disguised as love. Social justice is paraded around as though it's genuine justice. Justice to our society means not calling things as they truly are, but as we wish them to be or as we feel like they should be. So it's little wonder that with rare exception, two of the most often quoted words of Jesus in our culture are the very first two words in the passage this morning. Judge not. We live in a society that wants no part of judgment for their own sins, but merciless justice for those who sin against them. Cancel culture continues to rack up victims by the thousands as those who transgress social norms are cast into the outer darkness of exclusion. Yet justice, proper and true, is a primary ethic of God's kingdom. So how can the Christian live a life of justice? A life that balances grace and truth. Jesus says a lot on the topic, but the very first thing he does is tell us what not to do. He says, don't administer judgment. Don't administer judgment. He says in verse 37, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. These two commands, judge not and condemn not, they're two sides of the same judgment coin. The the judge not side is about rendering the judgment. If you think of a court of law, there's a point of in the trial 
where all the arguments have been made and the judge renders a verdict. That's the idea here. The word can be general. It can be prefer. It can be judge one way or the other. But in the way that Jesus is using it, he's using it specifically as a guilty verdict. This isn't just determine whether something is good or bad. This is declare someone guilty. Now, why would Christ tell us not to judge? What is it that prevents us from being able to make a judgment? Uh, Aren't we supposed to call a spade a spade? Aren't we supposed to call out sin when we see it? Doesn't God expect us to differentiate between right and wrong? Well, yes, but hang on. Because there's a problem first that we need to notice. The problem is, well, we'll get to the problem in just a second. Look at what happens when we withhold judgment. When we withhold pronouncing a guilty verdict upon someone else. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Jesus tells us not to declare others guilty with the effect, not for the reason, but with the result that we also will not be declared guilty ourselves. And just what does he mean by that? Well, hang on, because we're going to get there. This will become a little bit clearer as we move along. But for just a second, let's turn the coin over and look at the other side. We see the judge not side. Now let's turn it to the condemn not side. Condemning, condemnation relates not to the declaration of the verdict, but to the imposing of the sentence. It's the bailiff taking away the guilty defendant to jail. It's the judge imposing the fine for committing a crime. It's the, it's where the verdict of guilty becomes the sentence of punishment. Jesus tells us not to exercise justice by imposing the penalty for sins committed. We're not only not to declare others as guilty, we're also not to impose the punishment for their guilt. Well, that sounds just like what the society wants. It sounds just like what many folks wish to have. They want to be able to do what they want to do and not have sin called out, not have their lifestyle or their choices in the least bit disapproved. Doesn't that sound just like what they want? Well, in a way it does, but surely that's not what Jesus meant. Where's justice to be found if Christians are sitting idly by, allowing society to rot away and doing nothing about it? Surely that's not justice. Surely that's not the kingdom ethic. Sometimes the command is the best way to to really drive home the point. But oftentimes, it's the parable that really brings it home. And in this passage, the parables that Jesus tells really bring the point home. First, he gives us the parable of the blind. Verse 39, he says, and he also told them a parable, can a blind man lead a blind man? Can, can cure it? Two people that can't see and one's trying to help the other get through. Will they not both fall into a pit? You see, the problem with blind leading the blind is that neither one of them can see. When we judge others, it makes us blind. When we judge others, our desire to judge them blinds us in the way to properly lead them. How can we show them the grace of God when we're focused on finding their faults, on judging their sins, on bringing wrath upon them? We are unable to leave others when we're blinded by our own insatiable desire for justice that seeks only to prosecute those who do us wrong. Remember from last week? 
Our command is to love our enemies, not to condemn them. Another parable, verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. One reason we can't judge is because it blinds us to being able to do what we should be doing, loving our enemies. But the second reason is that we're disciples. We're not the ones in charge. Christ is the one in charge. As a disciple, we are a learner. We are someone who is underneath the Lord, underneath the Master, so that He can show us the way to live, so that He can demonstrate life for us, so that He can teach us the way to go. Just like an employee doesn't write up another employee for something that they do wrong at work. So a disciple has no right to write up another disciple. Again, that doesn't mean we don't call out sin. Hang on, Jesus is going to get to that. But it does mean that we don't have authority as disciples to declare guilt and impose judgment. There is one righteous judge, and that's not me, and it's not you either. None of us have that authority. That right belongs to Christ himself. Our job is to be his disciples, is to continue growing like him. Our job is to follow him. He's the judge. Let him be judged. I'm going to tell you something. This isn't in my notes, but something that's really striking me hard. We take way too much on ourselves when we try to become judges. We take so much extra on ourselves. We burden ourselves down when we don't trust God to do His work. And how much more true is that when we try to take on the judge's robe and sit behind the bench and adjudicate others It's just so much easier to love them. No wonder Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly at heart. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know why he says that? Because he bears the burden. When you are training oxen, when, when there is an ox that is young, you put him up with an older, strong ox. And at the beginning, the young ox doesn't do much of anything. He's just walking along. The old ox is carrying the weight. But over time, the young ox begins to pull and they pull more and more and more and they get stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's the picture that Jesus is saying. I'm the strong ox. You're the weak ox. Come yoke with me and let me help you grow. It's so much easier that way. Some of us are suffering because we cannot let go of the need to judge someone else the need to hold grudges, the need to hate. We are dying under the load. I beg you, get yoked with Christ. His burden is so much better, not to mention the company. The third parable really drives this point of judgment home. <laughs> and it's, it's such a great visual. Verses 41 and 42, he says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Can you picture it? There's something little tiny in someone else's eye and this guy with this giant two-by-four sticking out of his head is saying, hey, let me get that for you. That's exactly what we do when we judge. You see, the biggest reason we don't judge, the biggest reason that we do not have the right to judge is because we deserve to be judged. We are not only guilty, we are more guilty than the ones we judge. Think about it. 
How many times have you noticed someone else doing something wrong, someone else having some sort of sin, and then you look at your own self and realize you do it even more? I think one time I told a friend, um, you know, he, he had the habit of backing up. And when she backed up, instead of stopping the car before she went from reverse to drive, she just went straight to drive. And so the car would still be moving when she's shifting. And I told her, I said, you, you really shouldn't do that. It's going to mess up your transmission. Lo and behold, within a couple of days, guess what I found myself doing? <laughs> I mean, it's a silly example, but that's exactly what happens. We see the wrong that other people do and we miss the very same wrong in our own lives. We got a beam sticking out of our eye. and We're worried about the little tiny speck in someone else's. How ridiculous we must look to God when we do that trying to judge others for sin that runs rampant in our own hearts. No, we must not condemn others because we deserve to be condemned. So what does it look like when we do have the right kind of justice, the kingdom judgment that we should have? Well, he tells us in verse 42, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. You want to bring kingdom judgment? First judge yourself. That's the first step. Deal with the sin in you. As the accidental theologian Michael Jackson once saying, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make that change. Kingdom judgment begins with you. The apostle John told us in his first letter, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, judging our own sins gets us right with God. Judging our own sins restores the relationship between master and disciple, father and adopted son, Messiah and me. Once you're right with God, and only then can you turn to do the second step. First, you judge yourself. Then you help your brother. Look again at 42. You hypocrite, first take the log that is... Uh, take the law out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. Once we deal with our own sin, then we can deal with our brother's sin. But notice how we deal with the sin has changed. It's not a judgment of sin anymore. Now it's a helping of the brother. This is why Jesus says back in verses 37 and 38, judge not, you will not be judged. Condemn not, you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The picture is of the way that you would measure something in the marketplace. If you buy grain in the market, you could just dump a bunch, fill it up to the line, and say, there you go. But that's not the correct way to measure. According to Old Testament law, what you would have to do first is use a proper measure. There's proverbs that say things like, the Lord abhors dishonest scales. That's the whole point of them. The point is to say, God doesn't want you using an invalid measurement to start with. You use the right measurement to start with. But then, once you have the right measurement, 
You press it down. You put it in there and you compress it to fill every little gap that you possibly can. You shake it to make sure that everything is down as much as it can. And then you pile it up on top so that it runs over. You keep pouring till it won't hold anymore. Now, if you notice, when you go to pour things in, you can pour it and then you create like this little cone on top. Even with liquids, you can do this. You fill it to the very top and you keep pouring. It'll, it'll bowl just a bit before it starts overflowing. That's what he's saying. You give the right kind of measurement. Because the way that you measure, the way that you judge, the way that you treat other people, the way that you give, the way that you forgive is the way that you will be forgiven. You will be given to. You will be judged. You see, the things that we do have a habit of turning back on us. And that's, that's the crux of kingdom judgment. We judge ourselves and we seek to judge our brother to help them avoid the final judgment. It's not about not calling out sin. It's about bringing them to reconciliation with God and with us. See, when we're doing that, that's kingdom judgment. We all need help judging the right way. Some of us need help judging ourselves because we've never taken a good hard look in the mirror. We've never, like John said, confessed our sins. We've never admitted what we've done wrong. That might be what you need to do. Maybe maybe you've already trusted Christ. Maybe you've confessed your sins and asked Him to take control, become His disciple, but you really need help not judging a brother. I get that. We all need help with that. It's easy to jump to judgment and to forget His command to love. It's easy to judge others when we haven't properly judged ourselves. This morning, because we're not here, we're going to do invitation a slightly different way. What I'm going to ask you to do is to do one of two things. One is, um, if you need help with one of these things, whether you're a member or not, whether you're just watching or not, whatever, I'm going to ask you to either put a message on this video. Just send a message that says, I'd like to talk to someone, and we will get back with you in the next couple of days. You can also call the church and talk to us that way. If you're not watching this live stream, if you're listening to this, give, give the church a call or give me a call, and we'll be glad to help you in your journey, wherever you might happen to be. But let's as a church... Let's resolve that we'll judge ourselves, that we'll bring our sins to the altar of God, confessing them, asking for forgiveness, getting right with God, and then once the log's out of our own eye, then turning to help our brother. Let's pray. Father, your judgment is a, it is both a scary thing and it's a redeeming thing. We recognize that you judge sin. You will bring judgment. But we also recognize you bid us to come be judged now. You bid us to come bring our sins to you, to seek forgiveness today. As your word says, today is the day of salvation. Eventually there'll be a judgment, and there'll be no salvation at that judgment. It will be condemnation. But today we have the offer, today we have the chance to accept your judgment, to to confess our sins and seek forgiveness. Father, we pray that many would do that. We pray that many would find in you the forgiveness so they, they so desperately need. 
and for those who have already sought forgiveness from you, I pray that you would help them forgive when their brothers and sisters, whether family, friends, neighbors, do them wrong. Father, we pray that we would judge with a kingdom judgment, a judgment that deals with our own sins and that seeks to help others deal with theirs with grace and forgiveness. Don't let us sit idly by and let things go to pot. But don't make us judge juries and executioners either. Help us judge your way, full of grace and truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we stop this live stream, I do want to let you know we are here to help. So contact us. Let us know if you need help in any way. And we are glad to help you, whether that's to help you in your journey, in your walk with God, whether that's to help you with basic things like bread and milk and eggs, whatever that might happen to be. You let us know. I love you, church members. For those of you who aren't members, thanks for joining us. Um, we'll see you again soon. We will be live streaming tonight, this evening at 5 o'clock. We'll be live streaming the Bible study tonight. So hope to hope to have you come join us then. And until then, God bless you. And contact us if you need us. We're here for you. Love you, church.